Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Lord, I pray that um, as we read your word together, that we would come under it, that we wouldn't bring our opinion of it, we wouldn't bring our slant on it, our belief on it, that as we read your word, the, the living word, that we would position ourselves under your word, that your word is the truth. There is no greater truth. There is no my truth. There is the truth. And as we hear your the truth this evening, we want to submit to it and live according. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen. So now that Nadine has preached my preach, there is tea and coffee at the back. Um, thank you for coming. We'll see you next week. Um, yeah. Uh, really, it is. It is what I want to preach. I, I, I have this little line that I would like to open with. And um, over December, I felt the Lord start to stir me to this book of Romans. And um, so I've been personally trying to study it. And then I realized whenever I study something, then I end up just preaching that the whole time. So I purposefully said to my elders, I'm not going to be preaching out of Romans. I don't want to be like systematic like that. And every week I've just preached it out of Romans, just out of order so that I'm not being systematic about it. But I've really felt that there is this life of God and what He wants to do, and specifically for you guys tonight, I feel like that there is a, the, the Holy Spirit is calling, and it's, it's not, this is not mild, and I was, <laughs> in worship, I was like, God, I really love these people, I don't know how to come at this, and Fred comes at me, he's like, hey man, I feel like the Lord's saying, like, you really need to go, don't be afraid of how hard you need to go at these things. And I feel like tonight, the Spirit of the Lord wants to bring freedom. You have been set free. Free to worship. Free to serve. Free to love Him. Free to lay down your life. Free to run. It's not for freedom that you've been set free. And so the title of my message would be this. I want to, but how? I want to. I'm going to ask a bold question. If you call yourself a Christian with someone who follows Jesus, I wonder if you could put your hand up quickly. Just quickly. If you didn't, I saw you. I'm after you. We're going to have a conversation by the end of this. If you call yourself a believer, this is for you. If you don't, I would love to introduce you to Jesus by the end of this message in 30 minutes. And so I want to start with this picture. And it's, an, it's a very important picture because it, it talks about the way that we relate to God. And the way that we relate to God is extremely important. But we have a lot of things that shape the way we do that. And so we're going to read this portion of Scripture, and I'll start here. So it's Romans 7, verse 1 to 4. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, he's talking to the Jews, don't you know that the law only applies while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. We're all wondering, like, why is he preaching on remarriage? What's going on? Like, we all did this as church. So while her husband is alive, she would be, and this is important to remember, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. 
You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with one who has raised from the dead. As a result, we can now produce a harvest of good deeds. And so I want to draw this simple, I want to paint this simple picture for you. And it's this. When you were born, you were born with a sinful nature inside of you, which is a bummer. Let's admit that. Right? It's a bummer. But not only that, not only is mankind born with a sinful nature, God also gave his law to us. For example, it's like having a terrible wild child. They're bad, but wait until you put rules on them. Then what happens to that child? I was one of those. I was. My high school career, not very long lasting. It ended in grade nine. And so not only are we born with a sinful nature, we're born into a marriage. Do you know that? We have, and this is what Romans is describing, we have a marriage with the law. And this is the type of spouse that you have, okay? And the emphasis of this is I want to show you what you need saving from. First of all, this is some characteristics about your husband, the law. He always tells you when you're wrong. This sounds like a nice spouse, eh? He always tells you whenever you do something wrong. Second characteristic, he is always right. Sam knows what this feels like. Not me. He is always right. So he tells you, whenever you do something wrong, you get told you're doing it wrong. And secondly, he's always right. What is that producing inside of you? There's a third characteristic of this incredible husband that you have before Jesus. He doesn't do a thing to help you. Can you imagine this kind of marriage? You're always wrong, he's always right, and he does nothing to help you. But there's relief. The Bible says the way out of a marriage is through death. Here's the fourth characteristic of this spouse. He never dies. <laughs> he never dies. He never, ever dies. And so when you're not serving God, if you're not yet a Christian, this is why your life feels like chaos. You have this sinful nature inside of you that doesn't want to listen to anything, and you have a law that keeps telling you what you do is wrong, and so your life is chaos. You start to create your own truths and find my own way and live on my feelings and live in chaos. But then Jesus. And Jesus comes and he takes us out the marriage by saying, there's a way out. All you have to do is die. And if you die with him, then you can live with him. And when you live with him, you will no longer live according to the flesh. You will live according to the spirit. And so this is just the intro. Bear with me, I promise. We're nearly there. We're nearly to the good stuff. But do you know what the problem is where we found ourselves today? Very often, we can relate to Jesus the same way that we used to our old husband. Where we do things because we have to. Where we obey indeed, but not in heart. 
where Christianity becomes a willpower thing. I go to church because I have to. I do this because I must. I, I keep up appearances. I, I do obedience. I, I tick all the boxes. And do you know what? It doesn't produce nothing inside of you. If anything, that's how you get donkey Christians. Do you know what a donkey Christian is? It's a terrible dad joke, but I love it. A donkey Christian. It's someone with a very long face. Get it? Look to your left. That's a donkey Christian. You become miserable about serving Jesus. My life is tough. My work is tough. My situations are tough. My circumstances are tough. Things around me are tough. The world, we're being persecuted. The economy is not doing so well. ESCOM is load shedding on another level. The interest rates, the, and it's so easy. My job, my life, my children, my, it's so easy for everything to consistently, that eventually it's just like, and on top of that, I've got to go to Com this week, and then Jacques is called for a meeting on Tuesday night, and now I've got to be on Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and Tuesday night. What is going on? Okay, it's only me, eh? Nobody else ever feels like this about church. It's okay. I'll be honest. Get up and have a quiet time. You think like, get up and have a quiet time. Are you kidding me? Need to spend more time with God. Need to, need to, and we can approach our walk with God with this checklist. Because that's how we used to working with the old husband. If I do all the things and I keep him happy, then we're okay. Then I'm at a little bit of peace. As long as I'm doing well, I'm at peace. That's not how it works with Jesus. And so I want to talk. Oh, that only took eight minutes. That's not too long. So I want to talk to us about it. We want to, but how? Because actually it's impossible. You need saving. And he came to set us free. Romans 8, verse 1 to 4. And so now, now, once you've been rescued from the marriage, if you put your hand up, now, for all of us, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin. It hasn't freed you from all sin. He's freed you from the power of sin. The law, the old husband, was unable to save us because of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the body we have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. I want to tell you, if you follow Jesus, sin has no control over you. We walk with ball and chains by choice. And that's what we're going to go into. That every day you make a decision, am I going to live according to my nature or am I going to live according to the Spirit? Am I going to clap that little chain on my foot or am I going to choose to leave it at home today? 
Because I don't have to carry that. I'm not bound by the power of sin. If you are sitting here, statistically men, 90% of men are involved in pornography. Last time I said this, guys literally started getting red in the face. I'm, I'm talking to you. I saw that you're running the Conquer course. I think that's incredible. The Conquer course is amazing. But statistically, it would say that some of us are sitting here battling, walking through this thing. And it's one example. We use many. I'm telling you tonight, it has no power. It has no power. You are not, you are not stuck serving it. You choose. Sexual immorality is a worship problem. It's what you worship with your body. You can worship Him, or you can worship Him. The one, historically through the Bible, if you look at Baal and all the other idols, they're worshipped with sexual immorality. And our God has endorsed it in one way, and it's through marriage, and it's to bring Him glory. And so you can choose to worship in your body. That's what it says. There is no power of sin over you. But your mind has its issues. And we'll look at that. Not just sexual morality. There's a list. Don't worry, we'll get to the list. Great list. It'll include everyone. Everyone we read in the face, not just you. You are free. You are unable to serve Jesus. I know I preach this at the conference and people think it's like my little logo. It's, it is. It's how I live. You are unable to serve Him until He has first served you. Until you allow Jesus to set you free, you cannot serve Him. You have to receive what He's done for you. So there's no condemnation for us. If you're sitting here with habits and plans and cycles of behavior and addiction and sin and the mess and the stuff that you keep hidden from everybody else to see, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to set you free. Romans 8 verse 5. Those, listen to the language. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting, letting, playing a part with, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. I am begging you tonight. Allowing your sinful nature to be the controlling factor behind your decisions leads to death. Spiritual death. Physical death. Emotional death. I read the most heart-wrenching story. It's about a girl. Her name is Lauren Hoove. On the 27th of January, 2024, 28 years old, she was diagnosed with chronic fatigue. She struggled to find energy, depression. At 28 years old, she lives in, I can't remember, the Netherlands. 
she tweeted her last tweet. She said, okay, guys, this is my last tweet. And she was euthanized by the state at her order. I sat there thinking like, that's, that's the intent of the sinful nature. It leads to death. When you follow Jesus, you don't, that stuff doesn't have power over you anymore. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, I ask right now, would you come in our lives? Would you convict us and show us where we are making decisions in our lives according to our sinful nature that, that could lead to death? Whether it's our work, whether it's our, um, the way we spend our money, the, the way we spend our time, the, the, the objects of our hearts, the things we think about, the things we give our time to, the, the things that we obsess over. Holy Spirit, right now, would you highlight those things to us? The sinful nature only leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The, the, the night I gave my life to Jesus, I remember I... I was an older teen already, and I had lived this um, mirror life of my dad led a church since I was, I don't know how old, nine. Um, and so I grew up living this, rock up at church on a Sunday and be the pastor's kid and then be a wild child Monday to Friday and then on Sunday be the, this, and I lived this tumultuous lifestyle and then in my teens I eventually got expelled from school and my parents didn't know what to do with me, and so I was just this little rat. And it, my life culminated in a whole bunch of bad decisions. And I remember one night, I was so, all that was, my life just felt like chaos. And I felt like the Lord said, I can give you peace. And that was enough for me. If you live in turmoil and anxiety, He can give you peace. In a world of calamity, He can give you peace. If you're a believer and you don't have the peace of God, I want to tell you right now that if you live according to the Spirit, it is a fruit of the Spirit living inside of you. You will have peace. Lord Jesus, right now, I ask that that would become a reality for so many of us. Would you bring your peace? Sometimes it just requires us to repent. To turn from our, our thinking is what needs shifting. For the guys that are doing conquer, you know that this thing is a, it's a battle of your thinking. Allow the Spirit to control your thinking. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Those who are still under the, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. I, I'm sorry if this feels heavy. 
it, it, comes to, it comes to life. The Spirit of God wants to live in you. I want to skip down a few verses and it says, And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Do you know that when the, when the Spirit of God is living inside of you, you are different inside and outside. He brings life into your body. Newsflash, the world is going to hell. You don't have to. You don't have to get on that bus. You don't have to take that stop. Your desires lead to your thinking, which lead to your actions, which lead to death or life and peace. What do you want? What do you want? Let that be what controls the things that you think about. Oh God, I desire your peace and your security. And then the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is read the news. And scroll your Facebook. And check your Insta. Well, that action... That's not reflecting what your desire is. Your desire is, God, I'm not saying you can't read the news. By all means, read the news. I mean, I find it very hard to read the news because News 24, if you're not a subscriber, you don't get to read anything other than clickbait. <laughs> it frustrates me to no end, which is helpful. Now I don't read the news in the morning because I'm not a subscriber. Don't subscribe to News 24. Man, but I don't know about you, but when my desires start to control my thinking, which starts to control my actions, it does lead to life and peace. When I wake up in the morning and I choose to read my Bible and I choose to spend time with them and I, and I choose, it leads to life. There's no condemnation. That's the enemy's main tool that he will use to attack you. Is always, it has been since the garden, Newsflash, I, I say this a lot, so I don't know if you ever might think it's just me, it's my saying, but it's not. Newsflash, the devil didn't attack you when the tumble dryer broke this week. The devil didn't, isn't out to get you when your car breaks. The devil's not, his main form of attack is not when your lights and water account is higher than it's supposed to be. And I've got less money this week. It's not when your child is misbehaving. I, I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying historically. Do you want to know how he does attack you? Did God really say? Are you really feeling this way? But if he said this, what about that? The main way that the enemy comes against the believers is through deception and lies. That's why you have to pray and be on God. If it was breaking tires and washing machines, it would be pretty easy to know. It would be a pretty easy way to fight against the devil. Let's employ more mechanics and appliance guys. 
Then we can win our war against the devil's onslaughts of the church. I know, let's make everybody's lives easier. Because circumstance must be the devil. No, he worms his way in. And it starts with like, ah, conviction. And then the enemy comes and he just brings condemnation. And you stop fighting. You stop repenting. You stop living in the light. You stop following Jesus with everything. You start to make the decisions according to, oh man, actually I'm just tired. I shared this in our congregation. I thought they were going to stone me. They didn't. So I'm going to try and be bold here. My greatest enemy in the church is the C word. Capacity. I just don't know if I've got capacity for this. I just don't know if I've got ca- I, It's all about managing my capacity. You know, when Jesus died, he died on the cross to give us a capacity. And I'm a steward of said capacity. And I need to make sure that God gets his bit, my wife gets his bit, the family gets their bit, my job gets their bit. And I just need to make sure that my whole life is managing my capacity. And don't infringe on my capacity because then I'll get tired. And if I, run out of get, if I run out of capacity, I get exhausted. And when I get exhausted, I get sad. When I get sad, I don't want to be around anymore. I'm not trying to make light. I'm going to redeem this. Sam's like, babe, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't have capacity. Your life is not your own. You died to get out of that marriage. You don't please this Jesus by what you do. You please this Jesus by who He is. And the fact that He came to give you life. And when you live your life for Him, it it brings life. And then I can be poured out and I don't care. Like, oh, that sounds like a 35-year-old on his way to burnout. (laughs) Uh, We've had the privilege of, we've been leading a church. We've been leading church for 11 years. Despite my young age, I have seen many burnouts come and go. It's not. It's not because people didn't this or that or they gave too much to Jesus. That's not what it's about. I very often see that God takes the process where he takes the man who's doing it all and he kills his capacity so that he relies on the Lord. I've seen him do it in Jacques' life. Energize a bunny. Okay, cool. You know what? We need to slow him down. Let's take an organ. Slow him down a bit, but, but we still want you to lead. We still want you to lead a team. We still want you to advance the kingdom. We still want you to walk in the grace in your life. We still want you to, geez, Jesus, that's pretty selfish. What about his capacity? He didn't came to give Jacques capacity and capacity in abundance. He came to give him life. I promise you, you, there's those clapping and there's those of us thinking like, bro, I hope this oak never comes back. <laughs> I'm out. This oak, get him out of here. Let's get, the, let's get Merv up. <laughs> I love you, Merv. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. 
For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His children. And now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we're the heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in His glory, we must share in His suffering. He promises life, and it comes through death. I want to serve you, but how? I need to die to this life. I need to die to these desires. We've become great at the zombie apocalypse. Dead people coming back to life. I think that's like the perfect description of Christians, right? Like, Jesus, I'm dead. I'm dying. I'm gone. I'm back. It's like, I'm dead. My life is yours. Okay, guys, we want to take up money. We want to do something as a congregation. Like, whoa, money. Yeah. The big F word. Finance. I really, I really, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are some of us here who are not living free. We, we carry a heavy load. It's difficult to worship. It's difficult to serve. It's difficult to be a Christian. That is not the relationship that you signed up for. When you gave your life to Jesus, it stopped being a work thing. It stopped being a must try and please Him thing. It became a He gave me life and now I choose to thing. The world is going to hell and we are the only ones getting off. We should be excited. Literally, what is the worst thing that could happen to us? We could die. Literally. News flash. Nobody gets out of this alive. All your cares and concerns, all the things that you stress over, all the, 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 the investment that you put of yourself into your family, your kids will leave. And you will end up probably seeing them twice a year. Okay, maybe you're a better family, but... No, Reality. Your nest egg eventually will go to somebody else to spend all that money. Your house, somebody else will live in. Your comfort will rot on a junkyard somewhere someday. Your car will be sort of scrapped to somebody else. The things that we give so much of our life for will count for nothing 
And if those desires are what control the decisions you make, it leads to the same end as them, death. But if we choose things according to His Spirit, we find life. We find peace. Uh, this, um, one of our young girls this week in community, she shared a testimony, and it was along these lines, which wasn't encouraging, and then it was. She was like, oh man, I heard it was calm this week. I really didn't want to go. I was like, oh, great way to start a testimony. And one of our new comms that we've just started, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I didn't want to go to calm this week. Really didn't feel like it. But I decided to go anyway. I'm like, okay, well, that's a right decision. And I went. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm different. And I got given the gift of tongues. I'm so glad I chose to go to Com this week. That's how practical it becomes. Choose things according to the Spirit. Choose to give yourself to community. Choose to give yourself to getting together. Choose to put yourself in the position where you have to love people. Choose to be generous with your finances. Choose to give of all you have because that leads to life and peace. I went with a friend. He bought a new car and so there was an opportunity for a road trip. And so I needed a few days away. And I went away and I met with another guy, a different province. And this other guy just bought a new car and we were sitting, and I was like, why are you at Toyota? He's like, no, I'm getting my car fixed. I was like, but you just bought a new one. He's like, no, I got, I'm getting my car fixed because it's a, it's a Toyota Hilux Bucky double cab. It's like an incredible Bucky. He's like, no, I was just getting this sorted out because I'm giving it to someone in the congregation. I was like, what? He's like, no, the Lord told me to give it to someone. So I was like, oh, geez, you must have come into some money. No. The laugh in his face. That was a massive cost for him. And I saw the, the laugh and the excitement in his face to be a part of being generous in the kingdom. That's what it means to live according to the Spirit. Uh, Grant Baker, he's spending some time with our congregation. It's not his saying, but we're going to give him the credit for it. Um, he's got this thing that he keeps repeating to our guys. And he says, God didn't call us to a life of balance. He called us to a life of obedience. Lord, what is it that you have for me? What is it that you want from me? I want to do that. But if I'm trying to balance this walk between what my spouse wants, what my family needs, what I think I should be doing, what my work, what the church wants, what the AV team want, what the worship team want, what the comm want. I'm trying to balance everybody's need, needs instead of like, no, 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 my life is yours, Jesus. What do you want me to do? I want to serve you, but how? Filled with His Spirit. Free to serve. Not belonging and not owing anybody anything other than love. I want to pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Move, could make you. Come Holy Spirit. 
can I get real for like, I have no desire to expose. I have a desire for freedom. But I know that the things that hold us in bondage, they live in the dark, man. And so one of the scriptures says this in Galatians 5.19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are really clear. And I just want to give a disclaimer here. There is not one person sitting here who is without sin. There is not one. And I know a lot of us in this room, this is like seen as the big brother congregation. Most of you have been around here since just after Noah's Ark. And I know that it can be pretty much like, oh, geez, I, you know, I, I'm, I've been around long enough. I should have things together now. Can we, I'm new here, so don't worry about that. I don't know you. I don't know your reputation. But can we be real with God about this stuff tonight, where the sinful nature or where some of our desires have dictated our choices and our decisions and the way that we've lived? I think there's an opportunity tonight for us to repent of some of those things, to turn to Jesus and to allow His Holy Spirit to come. And then I think there's some new ones of us who need the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and set us free. And as we allow him to do that, you will find life and peace. And the results are clear. It's sexual morality. Statistically, probably. I mean, you guys are running conquer, so it's probably less. But there are definitely men sitting here now battling with this thing. Don't let it control you. Bring it to the foot of the cross. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. He came to bring you impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, worshipping all the other stuff, family, jobs, careers, money. Capacity is an idol. Sorcery, hostility. Sorcery talks about our way to try and deal with the things that only God can do. That's when you turn to sorcery. Hostility, quarrelly, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. I love how, how that one has just gotten so, like, ah, oh, no, it's not drunk, it's only too, hey, listen. If it affects the way you make a decision, it's drunkenness, done. Wild parties and other sins like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. These are the things that are symptoms of the fruit of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. That's what He wants for us. Who wants the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Who hates the fruit of the sinful nature? 